0: On this Mother's Day, our senior high youth group has worked closely with us in introducing today's topic or subject. You'll see what I mean as you watch this short video where several of them answer this question, share a time when your mother has forgiven you. Now, some of you might think of times like that. Go for it. Yeah, All of us are members of the family of faith, aren't we? Whether we're brothers or sisters, whether we're mothers or fathers or grandparents or aunts and uncles, all of us are in need of forgiveness. Paul had that idea when he said in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the best intentions that God has for us, the expectations that God has for each one of us. Therefore, all of us, no matter who we are, are in need of forgiveness today as we continue this series between easter and pentecost basking in the resurrection light we're going to look at the best known of the disciples peter the one who is the rock we'll see how important it was for him and for the future of the whole church to receive forgiveness forgiveness from not only from not for jesus himself at the end of the breakfast on the beach. Now, I'm going to ask and then attempt to answer three critical questions as we read and grapple with this wonderful passage. See if you can kind of anticipate what these questions might be. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 21, beginning with verse 15 and ending with verse 19. Listen now for the word of the Lord. When they, speaking of the disciples with Jesus, had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. May God help us to understand this passage maybe more than we ever have before. And not only understand it, but also apply it to our everyday lives. Let's pray. God, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful service. Thank you for the privilege of taking part in in, uh, what has happened here today. As we think of these youth inquirers joining our church. As we think about the baptisms that have taken place. As we've heard music. As we've heard your word. Now speak to us. If we leave here today not hearing a word from you, we're going to be disappointed. So, God, in a way that is far beyond my doing, speak to us. Speak to the people and the preacher alike. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. The first question that I want to pose here is, what did Jesus mean by more than these at the end of his question in verse 15? Now, I've got to kind of set the stage, and this is a little bit of a review from last week. Jesus had appeared to His disciples twice when they were in the area of Jerusalem, in the upper room, and also uh, when they were out in the, the Garden Cemetery. They went to Galilee, which was quite a ways north. It was back to the place of the familiar for most of them, as well as farther away from the threat of the religious leaders. Last week, we talked about the possibility that Peter... And the six of the disciples that were with him went there because they were impatient. They were unsettled with what Jesus had done or what he had not done. He was not present with him anymore, it seemed like, and uh, they didn't know what they were to do next. In his frustration, Peter, the impetuous disciple, decides to go back to the fishing business maybe believing that those three years that he'd spent with Jesus were nothing more than a detour, now he has to get on with his life. Peter and the others, even though expert fishermen on those waters, catch nothing on their big first day of their new enterprise. It's after their long, hard night of despair that finally the risen Lord appears to them from the shore and tells them to cast their net on the right side of the boat. And even though they don't recognize Jesus and they, by sight, and they don't recognize his voice, they take his advice, and they catch 153 large fish, John says. And to make a long story short, led by Peter, who jumped out of the boat to get to Jesus first, the disciples moved to shore with their great catch. Jesus has prepared a spread for them. I mean, he has a wonderful breakfast on the beach. It's at this point, at the end of that breakfast on the beach, that Jesus focuses his attention on Peter. In a very important time, this conversation is listened into, however, by the other six disciples as they relish what they've just experienced together. As he addresses the big fisherman, did you notice that Jesus doesn't use his nickname, Peter? He says, Simon, son of John, which is kind of his full name in those days. I don't know about you, but whenever my mother used my full name, I knew that what was going to be heard next was something very special. When she would say, James Arthur caps, hopefully, gratefully, it didn't happen very often, but it, it did once in a while. As he addresses him, the first three times, Jesus asks Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And then he says in that first time, more than these. What did he mean by more than these? Was Jesus pointing back to the net, which was filled with fish? I mean, there had to be an adrenaline rush. This was their sense of accomplishment. It was the joy of success in that business. When Jesus said, more than these, was he pointing to the boat, all the fishing equipment, which symbolized Peter's way of life. He was the boss. He had great freedom. He owned the equipment. When Jesus asked the question, more than these, Could it be that he was talking about the other disciples? I mean, there was a sense of camaraderie there. There was a sense of fellowship. They'd been out there all night long, and now this great success. Or could it have been that Jesus remembered Peter saying before, when he predicted that he would deny him, Peter said, oh, even though everyone else denies you, I won't deny you, as if to say, I love you more. And now he's... In, in light of what's happened, is he's saying, Peter, do you still think you love me more than these? After having left behind his call to follow Christ and starting out on his own, I don't know for certain what Jesus meant when he said, more than these. Maybe it was just one of those explanations, but maybe it was all of them somehow put together. If you were sitting next, if you were sitting next to Jesus, Let's say he's next to you right now, like they were at that campfire, and he asks you the question, do you truly love me more than these? What would he be speaking about for you with the more than these? Would it be, do you love me more than your family, more than your lifestyle? More than your job, more than the degrees after your name, more than your material possessions, more than your pedigree or credentials, more than the people you hang out with, more than the dreams of what you want to do and be. You fill in the blanks. To what would he be referring for you? Like Peter, if it's any of the responses I just gave, you're going to be disappointed. Ultimately, if you put your spouse, your children, or your parents above the love for the risen Christ, you've put them in an impossible place. You've put them in a place where they can never really deliver all you need and want. If you love your job, material things, aspirations, or anything else more than Jesus, it won't be able to deliver what you're looking for. As Pascal put it, you and I were created with a vacuum that only God can fill. When we try to fill that God-shaped space with anything else, ultimately, we're going to be disappointed. The second question that Jesus poses is this, or that I want to pose about what happened here is this. Why did Jesus three times ask Peter, do you love me? In Jesus' important interchange with Peter, he asked him three times, do you love me? Now each time, Peter certainly answers in the affirmative, you know that I love you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. We are told that this final time, Peter is hurt. And the Greek word for hurt there has the idea of being extremely grieved. He's upset that Jesus would have to ask, In each case, Jesus responds by, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. There are different ideas as to why people think Jesus asked these questions three times and then responds with, you got to do the work of the shepherd, Peter. Some would say that it's found in the Greek words used there for the word love. There are several words for love in Greek, one of them is agape, which is the greatest, the most deep love of all. And Jesus, in the first two times, he asked the question. And if you if you noticed, and as we read, uh, it said, "Do you truly love me?" And it's the uh, 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 the and then the word there has to do with agape or agapeos, the verb. It's the strongest, deepest form of love. And Peter answers every one of those times with phileo, which is familial love, a lesser kind of love. And the second question Jesus asks again, agapeo, and, and Peter responds with phileo. And then the final time, Jesus asks phileo, using the very same word that Peter would use to respond. Some would say, well, I guess maybe Jesus is somehow lowering the bar. Maybe he's trying to meet him where he is. It doesn't seem like Jesus, who always instead wants to raise the bar of commitment. I would agree with other scholars who would say that John uses these words interchangeably and that the answer to the question isn't found in these words. As we look closer at this scene, we found out last week that as they were around this uh, fire, the fire was made of coals, and that word is only used one other time in the Bible the word coals, which would be like charcoal for us. It's used when Jesus is being tried, and Peter is out around the fire made of coals, and that's where Peter denies Jesus three times. Was Jesus trying to set this up to bring back to Peter's remembrance the scene when he had denied him? If so, did those three times coincide with Peter's three denials of Jesus at that time? It seems to me that the answer is yes. It was not by chance that Jesus randomly questioned Peter's love for him three times. It's definitely by design. I believe Jesus was trying to help Peter with his guilt, with his lack of confidence, with his self-doubt. Well, I'm not sure exactly why three times Peter uh, was questioned by Jesus. I do know that our relationship with God centers around this idea of love. The first four commandments have to do with our love and our commitment to God. When Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? What does he say? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then your neighbor as yourself. In a powerful study, Henry Blackaby uses as he presents experiencing God, he says if you're going to experience God, it all starts with your love for God. Again, pretend that you're there and that you're listening to Jesus and he asks you the questions, do you love me? How would you respond if he looked you in the eyes? Now, understand, he knows the answer better than you know it but it's for your sake that he asks the question. How would you answer him if he said to you, do you truly love me? Based on the way you're living, how many times would he ask it? Frankly, there are times in the past when you've loved him more than you love him today. And what about us as a church? How would we respond if he asked us, do you love me more than these? I pray that it wouldn't be like the statement that Jesus makes about the church in Ephesus in Revelation when after affirming them three times, when after affirming them in the first first three verses of chapter 2 of Revelation, in verse 4 he says, yet I hold against you this, you have forsaken your first love. Could that be said, that sad indictment about us, At ZPC. Could that be said about many of the churches in America today? The third question I would pose is, what was Jesus' purpose for this conversation anyway? Certainly, since it was in front of the other six of the disciples, it was good for them to see Jesus giving Peter a second chance by forgiving him, recommissioning him, and calling him again. This is crucial. Peter's going to be the leader of the church. Peter's going to be the one in a few short days who will preach a sermon at Pentecost. But more than anything else, I believe this conversation is for Peter's sake. Jesus leads this pensive conversation. I believe that when Peter is grieved as Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? This was the beginning of repentance. He was sorry. Peter's arrogant self-confidence and his subsequent three-fold denial must have weighed heavily on him. His desire to jump ship and go back to the family business caused him to be genuinely ashamed as he sat there next to the risen Lord and answered those questions. Someone once said that before God can ever use someone in a significant way, God has to deal with that person regarding pride. Another way to look at it is when people come face to face with the God who is calling them to do meaningful ministry, they always feel sinful, undone, too small, unclean to accomplish God's purpose for them. That's how it must have been for the big fisherman, the rock, who was known for his strength and bravado, but realized how small he was. Then and only then could Peter be used by God. Jesus forgives him. He recommissions him to the task of being a shepherd to the flock. He was to feed and tend the young and old alike. He was to follow the example of the good shepherd, who had lived with him for those three years, who had met the needs of people, who had nurtured people, and Peter was to do the same thing. When you look at the leaders of the early church, John was really a great communicator. Paul would be called later, and he would become a missionary and an evangelist, a statesman. But Peter would be the shepherd, the one who would tenderly lead the flock, the community of faith, the church who God had called into being. Just as the good shepherd, Jesus, became the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of the world, so Peter would be the shepherd who was sacrificed. Why? Because of his love for Jesus, which he proved. And in verse 18, Jesus predicts Peter's death that will take place as his hands are stretched out on a cross like Jesus had been. That impetuous disciple who often spoke and then thought, that impetuous disciple who, to the chagrin of Jesus, cut off the high priest's ear, servant's ear, who denied him three times, who was wonderfully challenged to love Jesus, was forgiven, recommissioned, and called at that breakfast on the beach. That impetuous disciple would be crucified. And because he said he was not worthy to be crucified like Jesus, Peter would be crucified upside down. Then in a wonderful way, at the very end of this passage, Jesus looks Peter in the eyes, and he says, follow me. Let's start all over again. And that was the beginning of a revolutionary adventure. When I was a young pastor, I was was having difficulty balancing my ambition and my family life. I was working 80 or 90 hours a week and pursuing a doctorate at the same time. Every day off and every vacation day was spent in meeting deadlines and attending classes for that coveted degree which would put the big DR in front of my name, and I thought that I would be more marketable to become the senior pastor of a large church someday, if the truth really be known. I'll never forget a day off when I was sitting on the couch in our den, and as I was sitting there, our four-year-old, Becky, was sitting next to me, and she kind of scrunched up next to me. I had a book in my hands. I had a deadline to meet, and I kind of, I'm ashamed to say, turned around like this. She kind of turned around with me. She looked up at me with her big brown eyes as if to say, Dad. I like to play with you as much as anyone in the world, and you and I haven't played for a long time. As I looked at that beautiful gift, which God had graciously given us, it was a moment of grief, like Peter must have felt. It was a moment of repentance. It was a moment when I found forgiveness. I wasn't loving her very well. I was so wrapped up in my own work and my own studies and likewise, I wasn't loving God very well because I wasn't loving her as I was supposed to. And if the glory was going to go to anyone, it probably was going to go to me rather than God. I closed my book, and to her delight, we began to play. I had to reorder my life. I dropped out of the doctoral program as soon as I could. If churches didn't want me because I didn't have the proper credentials, then I shouldn't go there anyway. I worked at trying to work less. <laughs> God has a great sense of humor. Fast forward seven years, and I was receiving an honorary doctorate that I didn't seek. The other recipients that day were the director of the FBI, who was becoming the director of the CIA, and the former CEO of Procter Gamble—the three of us. It was one of what Alice calls one of those Forrest Gump moments. <laughs> How could he be there? Sitting in the front row was a child who had scabs on her face, because she just had the chicken pox, she wasn't contagious anymore, but she insisted on being there. She wanted to be there. Fast forward another 10 years, I received one of the, when I received one of the greatest affirmations of my life, when Becky was doing a capstone course for one of her majors in college in psychology, She had to do a genogram where she interviewed every living member of our family. At the end, and I was the last one that she was interviewing, and at the end of the conversation, I'll never forget, she said to me, Dad, thanks for always having time for me. My mind went careening back to the moment on the couch in the den, and I realized I almost blew it. I was so grateful for that moment of awakening. Somehow I bet Peter must have had a similar moment when his mind went back to the conversation with Jesus where he found forgiveness, was recommissioned. And Jesus called him once again, follow me. Oh, dear friends, Jesus sits next to you and me today like he did Peter. He wants to call you to a point of faith. If you've never followed him, he wants you to be his follower, to walk with him through this journey of life. For some of you, you've been following him for a long time, but maybe you've abandoned the path like Peter did. You've gone off on your own. He's saying, do you love me more than these? Only you know know what that means for you. If you tell him you love him, then he says, then show it. Show it. Prove it by your actions, by feeding and tending my lambs and my sheep. If you are a parent... It is realizing anew that, like me on that couch in the den, your children are your first responsibility before God. Maybe you need to set your ambitions aside and reorder your life. If you're in a different situation, maybe God is calling you to be in a one-to-one mentor relationship so that you can be mentored so that, in turn, you can mentor others. Maybe it's a small group where you can grow and help others grow. If that's so, there are materials and there are sign-up sheets in the Welcome Center giving you information as to how you can be a part of one of those relationships. If you would like to sort through what this might mean for you, we as pastors as well as other trained staff and leaders would consider it a privilege to listen and process things with you. And finally, if you would like to pray with someone after we're finished today, There will be people who will be over by the cross who would love to share with you, listen to you, and pray with you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, thank you for these moments together, and thank you for this fantastic service. Thank you for the many things that we've experienced in these moments today. Help us to continually hear you say to us, do you love me? Do you truly love me more than these? And help us as we live our lives this week to show you that we love you. I pray these things in the name of Jesus the Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.